0: This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This
1: is Discovery. Hello and welcome to Discovery. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast from students in the radio broadcasting program at Durham College. We've loved the wide range of topics and fun conversations featured on the show. Today, we have three more features to share with you, starting with A Conversation With, where Brandy Walker sits down with her happily unmarried partner for a chat on life, love, and kids. Ethan Butts follows up to talk about the hauntings of St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans. Our third feature, MC Smelly, aka Carter and the Megan Show, take a trip down memory lane to tell us about an animated show from the 90s and discuss its focus on what it means to be human. First, A Conversation With.
2: Welcome to A Conversation With. Today, I will be speaking with my partner, Warren, and we are going to be talking about our life as a couple, as parents to three kids, as homeowners, and how we've grown up individually and as a family. So just a bit of a backstory, Warren and I have been happily unmarried for nearly 18 years, living together for 13 of those years, We are parents to three kids, a 13-year-old boy, and twin, almost nine-year-old girls. We don't always agree on things, but I do think that we are on the same page in most cases. I'm definitely the more aggressive of the two of us, and you are way more easygoing. Do you think that our opposite personalities are what has made us work?
3: It definitely takes two different personalities to make life interesting. You can't have two people that are always arguing with each other. Everybody can't be right constantly.
2: I think we both like to pretend that we're right most of the time. We've had several of those I'm going to Google it moments to see which one of us actually is right.
3: I think the kids like it that we're different too. They tend to come to one versus the other because they know somebody's going to say yes or somebody's going to say no. So they like to play off each other.
2: I do agree with that. The kids definitely, I think, go to you more because they think you're much more passive and you give them things. Versus me, they're, they believe I'm going to say no most of the time.
3: Yeah, they want to go to the malls. Definitely not me. They're asking.
2: But you do let them have things that I don't always. They know if they want some sort of candy or chocolate or whatever at home, they go directly to you.
3: Yeah. Or if they want like some sort of toy, I'll start searching on Marketplace to find it instead of buying it new or.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the more, let's go do something that's expensive parent and you know we don't bring you though cuz that costs more money I know. so we <laughs> we always go with you for dinner. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of cooking i'll admit that so i don't want to say it's not my forte it's not my forte to make dinner but i can do it i just it's i don't love having to cook every night not a big fan of the whole let's have three square meals a day i just turned 40 last christmas and i definitely had a harder time with that than i expected to I think for me, these expectations of where my life should have been at this point, and when I hadn't accomplished everything that I thought I was going to by the time I hit 40, it was a lot harder for me to deal with than I expected.
3: Maybe I had less expectations of myself. Uh, not that I think I can't do things. I still think I can do everything. I always feel like you can learn something new, like age, there's no limit.
2: I know that you can do anything at any age, but I guess I kept thinking I was just getting too old to do stuff. And I know that there's, that's ridiculous in this day and age, and it's silly to think that you're too old to do something. But I think I just kept pushing back, going to school and, and trying to accomplish those things. And I just kept accepting the status quo of this was my job and this was my life and, and realizing I wasn't happy and not, not so much unhappy with my life with you and the kids, just unhappy with. I thought I would be doing better or doing different things by the time I got to this point, and I I wasn't. And that was 100% on me in the choices I made, but it was learning to realize that I could still make different choices and still do those things.
3: I always felt like you could do everything and still kind of do. It's hard to accomplish every task in a day if you want to change the oil in the car, cook dinner for the kids go to work one place try to go to work another
2: yeah you get very tired the older you get the harder it is to maintain that constantly busy i mean i just was always go 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 for years and now i feel like i don't have any go for half a day most of the time sometimes i get up in the morning and i'm exhausted by you know 10 you are very much uh up in the morning you are a rise and shine kind of guy you get up no problem in the morning and i'm very much a don't-wake-me-up kind of person. You have a much more sunny disposition in the early morning than, than I do. I do, however, have a sunny disposition for the most part of the day, just not when I get up in the morning. I'm fairly friendly overall, just not early.
3: I've, you can talk to anybody. You go to the grocery store, you can strike up a conversation with anybody. I do sure. like
2: I do like talking. I really
3: do. Wait, if I could definitely emulate one thing from you, it would definitely be being able to just talk more. I definitely like to listen.
2: So I mean, that's what works well for us. I mean, you listen and I chat. I think I've come a long way in the last couple of years in trying to change myself and grow myself. I have started focusing a lot more on myself and the things that I need instead of focusing on all the things that don't necessarily matter. Overall, I'm hoping that's going to help me be a better parent because we are reaching new stages with our parents, parenting. I mean, we have a Teenage child now. I mean, he just turned 13.
3: I know he's going to high school soon.
2: Yeah. He's heading, he's headed to high school and that's a whole new stage. He's already changing personality wise and looks wise and you know, and then our daughters are nine soon.
3: Counting down to double digits.
2: Yeah. So I believe they said, you know, 76 days today until their birthday. They're already on the major countdown to that. And I have a feeling their teenage years are going to hit sooner than, uh, than our sons did. With parenting, we we have been growing daily and yearly learning this stuff. I mean, they really don't give you a book, and we are learning with them. I mean, every stage that they get to, it's a first for us, the same as it is for them. We don't know what we're doing. We just remember what it was like when we were their age and try to give the best advice that we can.
3: I know. It's also hard, too, like when each of their friends have different access levels, it seems. So some friends have TikTok. Some friends aren't allowed to play video games at all during the week. My friend can do this. My friend has a phone. I hate them my friends.
2: I'm the I don't care parent. I don't care what your friends have and I don't care what they do and that's not you, that's this is this is what you have and these are our rules. We are I guess our kids are now this Gen Z generation who will literally be raised with technology in their hands. But everything is electronics now and everything costs a fortune and, you know, buying a house costs a fortune. We managed to buy a house and we've still managed to live in the house and we've never really been super well off. I just wish I had known that in most cases life and parenting was going to be a struggle. How financially hard it is to have children and not just one child, more than one child. I mean, the more you have, the more expensive they are and how hard it is to survive.
3: I don't know, maybe that was kind of one of our mistakes early on. We gave them more time when they were younger. We were here with them and had the babysitters. But now it's kind of come back to haunt us a little. We were lucky and
2: had jobs that allowed us to work around babysitting. So we never needed to have babysitters. It worked out really well for us, but because it worked out so well for so long and we just worked the jobs that made it easy for us, we never furthered ourselves in our careers.
3: That cut out a huge expense by not sending the kids to daycare every day.
2: I do have one more question. It's just out of curiosity. If you could go back and do it all again without really undoing our life, what's something you would have done differently?
3: Uh, well, it would probably circle back at this point to a money thing that I would have preferred like a job that paid more to have more money where it was okay at the time. It eventually kind of catches up to you.
2: If I was going to go back and do it again, I'd be more fearless and I would have gone to school and and tried to do those things that I really wanted to do. But I mean, now it's hard to look back and think about that, because if I had made those decisions, then I wouldn't have the life that I have now. And I don't hate my life. I, I like it. I don't I wouldn't want to, like, undo my kids or undo our life. I just I think I would have made different choices.
3: I'm kind of the same. Like I don't really think my choices were wrong at the time. But maybe I would have made different ones looking back.
2: You know, to round to round out the conversation, I think I think we've done pretty well for ourselves. Oh definitely. We were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but then I do feel there's an element of things happen for a reason and everything happens for a reason. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Please join me next time as I have a conversation with my boss, to find out what it was like being a frontline worker during the pandemic.
1: You're listening to Discovery on 105.9 The Region. Coming out now, our second feature talking about the hauntings of St. Louis Cathedral.
0: Hello, Ethan Butts here. Joining me today, as always, William Benedetti. Hello, William. Hello, everyone. So, well, how's your day been so far? Well, so far, so good, I think. That's good to hear. Nevertheless, I do have quite the place to tell you about today. Yeah. Today, I'll be telling you about the St. Louis cathedral in new orleans a which church. is a church yes <laughs> uh, which i know uh, doesn't seem very exciting but the caveat oh, is i'll be telling you the incredibly interesting history and oh. it's many many ghosts because this is um this is very much like a history mcu moment mm-hmm. of of everybody as of, of, of a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life end mm-hmm. up here but uh to start off so st louis um cathedral big massive cathedral in new orleans as you can see here on these pictures i have for us not not the most haunted looking but actually kind of nice i know it's very they're all they're all photos in the day and like all photos of the um of the inside like lit up but but for the sake of imagination a lot mm. of these stories are nighttime night crew etc but to start off i'm going to tell you about the history of the place so important things to know about the architecture big massive clock tower first of its kind very big massive garden and this actually this cathedral started off as four churches which would all be destroyed before we eventually get rebuilt to the cathedral glory Mm. so the first one in 1718 yeah literally just a shack because 1718 yeah. People middle of the woods, right? Yeah. Like they're like, uh, can we get a church? It's like
4: uh, I can get Ronnie
0: to throw one up in a yeah. few weeks, maybe if he doesn't get a splinter. So yeah, oh, exactly. but you know, there for uh, their religious needs. But that being a man of wood and garbage, not would not even stand for ten years mm-hmm. before a um, the second one would need to be built in uh, seventeen twenty seven. The mm-hmm. second one was made of made out of uh, brick and timber. And that one actually stayed and lasted for quite a while. Okay. Um, but uh, while lasting a while, the day after its sixty-year anniversary of being up, yep. it burnt to the ground from a from the Great New Orleans Fire, which is could have been honestly a story all on its own, but. Long and short of it, all started from a candle that was lit in the church at the time. So, from the church. Yeah, and completely consumed it. Yeah. So, died on 1788. Uh, and then it was rebuilt for the second time in 1794. This is the third structure rebuilt for the second time, which is confusing, but I had to make sure to write it down that way so I would specify it as such so this one they, they got the they had that to get the works done on this one um, rebuilt by the Spanish and they they, uh, they had some ideas hence why it was now a cathedral yeah they um, they they were whipped it into shape and still even after they made it like uh, this big massive cathedral it wasn't known as a cathedral until 1793. Where the Pope, by the time, declared it as such, which he actually declared it a very specific type of cathedral. But the type, I I, I looked it up a little bit, and it, it seemingly is just the same as a cathedral. It's just he liked it, so he gave it an extra he title. It. He was like, "Good job, slightly more fancy." Than yeah, objects. I dig it. <laughs> so, so this would last this cathedral with um, would last until eighteen forty nine where um, during some expansions and renovations, it would um, certain, like a few floors would fall, but um, not destroying the whole structure. And then that would very swiftly be rebuilt. And from there, it's been being knocked apart and rebuilt until uh, for the, over the last, now it's lasted over 150 years. All right, pretty good, good. So now that I've told you to have the history of the place, we're gonna get into its, uh, its stars, star mm-hmm. attractions. Psycho, it's ghosts. Psycho murdering nuns. Psycho. I <laughs> wish. Surprisingly, none actually. But the the reason for this might be because it's uh it is a cathedral. Mm. Um. So a lot of the a lot of the more maliciouser, malici- malicious-er? <laughs> malicious maliciouser malicious spirits. Oh my gosh! Malicious <laughs> spirits. Um, You're gonna they're gonna be a lot more, um, mm. a lot less uh, intimidating than we might than you might think. But we're gonna start off with. Um, Forgive me, Pierre. Pierre Dagobert. Pierre Dagobert. Apologies, Pierre. We're just going to be calling you Pierre this whole time. <laughs> so Pierre was a pastor who came uh, who came there in uh, 1774 and would stay there until now, or at least until January 19th, uh, 1829. Remain there until the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, so this man was... That is very strange considering his reputation when he came because when he' when he came and arrived there he was not liked known as a bigot for that time period yes. was known as a bigot oh, um, and yeah just not not a nice dude nobody yeah. else wanted to hang around but seemingly a complete 180 in this time like he would um, he would help the sick he, he wouldn't care race gender you wouldn't care yeah. sexuality would help you no matter what mm. um ral ral extra with his religion because he would he would be seen praying for uh for smokers and um sense. and um i don't think i don't think homeless i think i think actually it was mainly smokers because smokers obviously for the time were like get mm-hmm. out of here yeah.
4: <laughs> smoking is
0: actually healthy yeah they them. that's what they would believe um let's get into his hauntings now oh so Surprisingly, unlike a lot of the other ghosts we're mentioning, he's actually seen all around the city, um, and and very uh, very amusingly, at least to me, mm. they notice him especially in a hurry. Oh, okay. Because mind you, he is—he's still in his kind of like old pastor garb from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So people would like people for, would see him all along the city. Would see like this this uh, this bald this bald, very old, long beard—you know, like like monk, almost robe, yeah—shaved um, head, like like in in nowadays, like running around the city, I like like he's trying to get somewhere. Next up, a uh, a person who I recommend you all look into on your own time because they were they were quite the lady, but a woman known as the Voodoo Queen, the Voodoo Queen, the Voodoo Queen, the Voodoo Queen. New Orleans, Voodoo. the New Orleans, Voodoo Queen. All right, okay. So this lady. She was, uh, she believed in, um, in, in voodoo as surprise, surprise, but also in a lot of Catholic beliefs cause they, uh, where they would intersect. She would, you know, mingle in both cause she was chill like that. Right. However, despite being known as a respectable Catholic and, hmm. um, and good neighbor offering insight, um, right. a lot of this was seen due to her voodoo title as, um, as like oh she's she's reading the future and she's oh, okay. communing with the devil to understand war mm. or to get this advice to manipulate you. Okay. So because of this, she was denied a marked tomb when she died. Um, but uh, everybody, it's from, from my understanding, pretty common knowledge that mm. she is um, buried in the St. Louis Cemetery. Okay. Um, just in an unmarked area, so people will um, see her praying. All around the cathedral, um, and she she stands out because it's it's she's wearing her um, her normal attire with a, a white head wrap, like African style head wrap that I'm sure right. you've seen, like my mother wear from time to time. Yeah. Um, so that that you know, in a, a church where it's mainly nuns or workers, mm. it it definitely catches the eye. The next one is uh, one of our more evil spirits, Marie McCarthy who was an infamous serial killer who killed her slaves. She would lure them into her house. Oh. And um, her body was moved to St. Louis Cathedral, New Orleans, where she has been seen haunt the premises and begging for forgiveness. Well, well, it appears that's all the time we have for today. I've been Ethan Butts. I'm William. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Up next, The Carter and Megan Show.
4: Welcome to the MC Smelly podcast, a.k.a. The Carter and Megan Show, hosted by yours truly, uh, Carter Smelly, and featuring um, my cousin, the co-host, Megan Bernard. Do you like old school lost media? Today's feature will be a discussion about a 90s animated TMS studio production. A tribute to an animated feature from Canada, Little will remember, but will recall it as the Lady in the Black and Red Cape and her sidekick, Panther. Later, those discovered that show is called Cyber Six. We'll take a dive into the show's focus on what it means to be human um, and the core thematic element within the retro-based television series Cyber Six and our potential revival of a second season for the show.
5: Greetings, I'm co-host Megan Bernard. I'll share some trivial facts about Cyber Six and where the idea of the cloaked superheroine began. Cyber Six was authored by its former creators, Carlos Meglia and Carlos Trillo, and was published in print for 1991. The show is based on the author's Argentinian comic book saga of 85 installments featuring a female superheroine dressed in all black known as Cyber Six. The comic took inspiration from its surrounding media's grunge-like aesthetic, prevalent during the early to mid-90s, and featured a lot of mature themes such as drug use and street violence. These themes were later cut for censorship. Once the cartoon was produced for television in 1997, the show would later be directed for family audiences and viewership. The Cyber Six franchise also included a live-action miniseries at the early stage of its run in 1996, Argentina. However, the series didn't remain on air long due to poorer ratings, only lasting eight episodes, and the series was ultimately canceled in 1997.
4: The actual TV show Cyber Six premiered on September 6th, uh, 1999. The show could be viewed on stations such as Fox Kids in America, Teletoon in Canada, and Telefe in Argentina. The cast of characters include... Uh, the main character, Cyber Six, the female superhero and protagonist of Meridiana, um, Lucas' uh, potential love interest and psychic helper, uh, helper of Cyber Six, and Data Seven, initially Cyber Six's brother, Cyber 29, later being transfused into the body of a Black Panther um, by the series' main overarching antagonist, Von Richter. Uh, Also, there's Jose, son of Von Richter, and a reoccurring villain who does the villain work of his father in an attempt to thwart the plans of Cyber Six and her friends and ultimately defeat her. Uh, There's also the fixed ideas. They're basically like the henchmen of uh, Jose and Von Richter, creatures who aren't very bright but were made in efforts to eliminate Cyber Six. Uh, there's Julian, a street urchin, and an orphan boy who befriends the superheroine. The show loosely retained elements uh, of a darker historic theme, vaguely found in characters such as Jose, Von Richter, and Cyber Six herself. Mysterious Shadow, uh, episode one, introduces viewers to the Argentine, Argentinian basis of. Uh, basis world of meridiana in the cyber six universe the episode references themes tied to world war ii diplomacy um revolved around nazi germany uh jurisdiction themed such as keeping your identity a secret and the importance of identity and allyship Cyber Six even revealed a branded number and her name on her wrist, which historically was used as an inhumane identifier of prisoners within the concentration camps. Vague anti Semitic visuals and characteristics in characters such as Jose and Von Richter, uh, their uniforms, stance, they also goose step. Um, the experiments Von Richter's creations theme overall have. Um, resemblances to science experiments, uh, science experiments that took place in World War II.
5: Cyber Six keeps her identity hidden to avoid perpetration, as she assumes the identity of a male teacher known as Adrian Seidelman during the day. These themes are tied in with the question of what it means to be human. Often, Cyber Six, being a man-made creation, questions her humanity. A subliminal tie towards anyone considered as neurodivergent, and what was considered normal during World War II Germany. As a humanoid-like creation, only known throughout the series as a cyber, cyber, Six is seen as a failed creation, turning against von Richter's plans for world dominance and takeover of Meridiana. She was a mistake with diversion in individual thought, and is isolated because of her differing opinions. Alternatively, Cyber Six is a character who advocates for love and acceptance, even finding solace in the creatures sent after to destroy her in the series, since, like her, they were made for evil and didn't have a choice in who they wanted to be. Also, because her schema was that, since she was a cyber, she never truly could fully side with either because she is a hybrid of the two, a creation with superhuman abilities. The series ran for 13 episodes, with the plan for a second season ultimately being cancelled due to the creative differences limited resources, and high production costs between the two studios, TMS Production and NOA. Cyber Six overall scored a rating of 7.7 out of 10 on IDMB. So, Carter, what are our plans to
4: revive the series? Well, I mean, the plans are, I mean, obviously the second season, we already started to develop. We've been working on it since 2021. It started with me just using my drawing book and sketching out ideas, passing them on to then my cousin Megan, you, where then you would end up, you know, um you know printing stuff on the computer like doing virtual uh I guess drawings um and yeah the plan is obviously to get our artwork out there and our scripts out to a producer and hopefully they like what they see and then it gets maybe officially published either as like a comic book or hopefully the end goal uh a tv series
5: yes And with that said, we will elaborate more on the themes such as secret identity and what it means to be human in the future seasons.
4: Yes, with the new fictional characters, Cyber 6 will remain being the center of conflict that arises, helping those who struggle with their true identity and will eventually come to terms of, you know, who they truly are. We've come up with like a few concepts and written ideas for like another episodes, 13 episodes worth of content um, and a season finale. And I can't wait for the world to see this you know i think this is going to be an absolute banger i think people are going to love it and i think honestly this has potential to be even better than like you know season (laughs) one because you know with season one it was a good season but every episode was just kind of within its own storyline you know like nothing is really connected it's like one episode ends there's like a new beginning in the next one the other one's forgotten with this one Every episode is connected. One thing leads to another. And I think that's going to get fans excited. And there's an even big step up, too, with the, the villains. I think this season is going to be a little bit more mature and darker. I think people, they're really going to love it.
5: Correct. It's very episodic.
4: Yeah. With that said, uh, stay tuned for a revival of Cyber Six Season 2, The Hidden Truths, in the future.
5: Yes. I truly believe Cyber Six will do very well on Netflix um yeah. as a mini short or a movie uh you you even reached out to kathy westluck and she would be down for a uh, voicing cyber six
4: again right yeah exactly and like when we if we bring this back and this becomes a hit it can't be cyber six without the og a voice actress kathy westluck i mean she fits this role perfectly no one can voice cyber six better i don't think like kathy westluck does a great job of like changing her voice to fit the characters, because when I hear Kathy talk, it's like she sounds a little bit like Cyber Six, but also a lot like herself. But when I hear the character Cyber Six talk, it's like a whole nother person. So I don't know anyone else who does a great job at that. So we definitely need the OG back for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought though? Like two young adults with an imagination could be the people that end up reviving this series and making it more known to the public because season one just alone it's very unknown not many people know about this but season two i really believe the second season could blow up become a hit i think people can love it and if this ends up you know going on netflix it would be fitting to have the first season also put on netflix so people know what's going on and then you get season one season two and then we finish season three and you get all three seasons i think cyber six could be one of one of the biggest animated shows of all time and could, you know, be an absolute classic. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Megan, do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to say to close out?
5: No, it's been a pleasure being a co-host on this podcast That's all I I can say.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you for joining us, and uh, I hope you guys uh, have a good day.
1: I'm your host, Cal Steiger, and thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Tune in right here next week for our final presentation of Durham College Student Podcasts.
0: Discovery, the radio show for podcasters exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach.
4: Send us your podcast. Info at 1059theregion.com.